Lord, we just give you thanks. I pray, God, as we, um, as we open up your word and we talk about these things, um, one, I pray against a form of legalism that rises up in our hearts. I know it does in my own heart. And I would pray, uh, likewise, that you would bring a spirit of grace to the words that are spoken, Lord, to the things that are shared, and that Christ would be manifestly seen, not just by um, a few, but by all. In fact, I would say that I would love for your presence to come in such power and might bring breaking where breaking is needed, bring exhortation where it's needed, fall on the people driving by, Lord, like they didn't even know what was going on and inspire them to go home and pick up the Bible that's sitting on their shelf that their mom gave them or something so that they could hear about your truth. And Lord, I just pray that you would just be glorified to dwell um, in your word as we continue to worship you, Father. Um, Open up our eyes to your truth and our ears to hear and our hearts to understand. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we just came back from camp, and uh, it's a great time to be down at camp. Uh, We go to youth camp uh, usually every summer, uh, and I think I told you guys this is Camp Menomina, and it was a really good week. This this idea here about what God has laid on my heart today is actually kind of birthed out of some of the stuff that he does. I really like being at camp. Um, Primarily, one of the reasons why I really like being at camp is that you don't have to drive a car, you don't have to get in a car at all, hardly at all for the week except to go and serve. Two, all technology is turned off and um, it's not allowed. And then we're in the Bible all day long. You know, I've said this before, but we only give our high school kids like about three and a half hours of free time a day. Um, they, they can squeak a little, you know, a few things in here and there and stuff like when they're doing cabin cleanup or whatever. But for the most part, we're kind of immersed in truth. And I think that that sort of environment, it's good to actually have that sort of environment. I would like to invite you all to come with uh, next year because it's good just to turn everything off and just be quiet. In fact, you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever have you ever gotten to the point, I don't know if you've felt this before, I know I have, that sometimes the busyness of life and the tyranny of all of the things that are screaming for us, that uh, on days like yesterday, wasn't it absolutely beautiful? that I actually have to work at resting. I mean, I really have to work hard at it. I mean, I have to sit there and purposely fight against being crazy busy in my mind. I'm serious. And I think that technologies do that, and what ends up happening is it detunes our ability to hear God because we have... We have this station coming in over here and this station coming in over here and this one over here and this one over here and God is one of those frequencies and I think at camp when we get away, it's like, okay, all other frequencies are shut off for the most part. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's some kids that have like their little, I gotta tune in, man. I gotta tune in over here. But for the most part, they're, they're listening and they, can, they begin to hear God clearer than they have before. And uh, this was this idea... Of, and, and the title of the message is A Treasure-Filled Heart was kind of birthed out of one of the things that God did in power on, um, at camp one of the nights that the high school speaker was speaking. We actually, camp is kind of like, just so that you get an idea for this, because this is sort of, I'm, I've kind of adopted this camp for our church for youth ministry. It's for kids that are um, graduated from the fifth grade all the way up through junior high, and they're kind of like their own little entity at camp, 
And then high school is its own entity. We're kind of like segregated the whole time. We have different chapel services. We eat at different tables. We play at different games. We hardly connect except when we're on. Uh, we, we actually do go to flag three times a day. It feels like you're forever eating. That's another weird thing because I only eat like twice a day. And they have like three meals a day, you know, like at 8 o'clock, noon. And it's just crazy. It just feels like you're forever eating. So in the high school chapel, uh, God did this really cool work this one night specifically in the arena of manifesting Christ in the lives of these high schoolers. And it was a, a very significant night, a night of prayer, a night of um, thinking about God, thinking about his truth and his words. That being said, um, I want you guys to participate with me. So this will be hard to get it on the recording, so I have to speak up. But what are some, what are some verses? Now listen, I don't need, so, so for those of you who are like, I can't share this because I don't know where the, I don't care about the reference. In fact, I don't even care if it's word perfect. You can give me a paraphrase. That works for me. But what are some verses in the Bible that talk about our heart? Things that talk about our heart in the Bible. Things that God has spoken to you. Things that you've memorized. But verses that are kind of referenced around heart. This is your opportunity to to minister one unto another. What do you got? Pat? Amen. I'm going to come back on that. I'm going to come back on that. But I think that that, I think we do that, you know. And we'll talk about this because our heart is, well, here's another one. I'm going to go. Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is a treasure, by the way, I think, for, what's that? Uh, Create a clean heart within me. Is that Jan? and see if there be any wicked way in me. Good. All right, what else? Other verses of the heart, Tom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was the verse I was going to quote, Angela, for yours, because I think that even, even with a redeemed heart, I think we do that. I think that, you know, our, our, that God is in the process. Actually, this message is about salvation, amen, but it's so important when you think, when we talk about salvation, to think in three different terms, Right? Salvation actually covers much more than just being born again. It act, that's, I would call that justif- the justification part of salvation. And then there's this process piece of salvation where we today are being saved. I'm being saved today. We sing the song in youth group called Joy. It's like, thank you, Lord, for saving me today. And I can sing that biblically even though I was justified in the past because he's sanctifying me. That's part of salvation. And then the last part is what? glorification. And so when we talk about salvation, make sure you try and frame it contextually in the right place. It's important, but part of our sanctification, I think, is that the heart is still deceitful, and we condemn ourselves sometimes. That, or, or Satan. So, yeah. Trust in the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, life verse. Actually, if I were to say, how many of you have adopted that as a, as a life verse? Probably most of us would raise our hands. Don't lean on our own understanding. Anyone else? Yeah. That's Psalm 119. That's the longest chapter in the Bible, right? Yeah, that's an awesome verse. Yeah. Yeah. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. That's right out of the Psalms, absolutely. And that has to do connected with the heart. Praise is all from the heart. In fact, when we're singing, right, and it doesn't really matter if we're singing hymns, we have instruments, we don't have instruments, we have drums, we don't have drums. I hate the fact that music is so divisive in the church. I hate that part. But in either direction, they, 
God is not looking at how good we actually perform, is he? I mean, he's really looking at what's flowing from our heart. That's what he's looking at. All right, another, anyone else? Verses that have to do with the heart. I would say that they're connected. Anyone else? Verses about the heart. All right, how about this one from Proverbs? This is actually kind of one that's quoted a lot. It says, guard your, guard your heart. You need to guard your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. And so when the Bible talks about the heart, he's not talking necessarily about our organ. He's talking about our mind. He's talking about our soul, I think. He's talking about... The internal part of us, the unseen part of us, where our will is at, where our, the seat of our emotions are at, where our thinking is at, where we make choices, you know, the, the part that's being sanctified. That's where it is at. And sometimes God, you'll see this too, he'll talk about our eyes, and he's not necessarily talking about physical eyes. He's talking about spiritual eyes. May the eyes of your heart be illumined to the truth. May you be open to the truth. He also says like, that our heart is where we get understanding from. That, it's, that we need to be careful because it's the center of who we are. Everything flows out of this. You know, we're not who we are externally. You can have a body that's broken. That doesn't make you less of a person. You are a person, a full person. And that's who you are inside. In fact, I think even though our bodies are wrapped with sin, ultimately these are just acorns to be planted in the ground and eventually to be raised in power and in glory. But today, our lives are being transformed and our minds are being renewed. So keep your heart with all vigilance. How about uh, the greatest commandment, right? The greatest commandment, which actually comes out of Deuteronomy, and it's actually, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And I encourage this. Like I'm all about like trying to give my all. When I come to public services, including like when we gather together, like you know that when Paul preaches that this is just as much worship as when we're singing, like I really got reprimanded on that one time, one time by the Lord, I mean, reprimanded on it because we used to call our rehearsals like worship practice and what is that anyways? We're going to get together and practice worship. No, we're li- lives of, wor- of lifestyle worship and, um, and God is all about us actually connecting with him in that arena. Here, love the Lord with all your heart. Give yourself fully to the understanding of Christ. Don't restrain. Don't hold yourself back. Now, for those of you who are like, I can't, I can't hold my arms. I actually had a, a high school uh, person come to me this week at camp, and they said, they a graduated senior, and they're like, Carrie, after one of the, our last chapel service, they're like, this is the, I just needed to tell you this, but this is the first time ever I've been able to lift my hands in worship. This is an 18-year-old uh, young woman, and, you know, I felt like, I told her, I'm like, well, praise the Lord. Does that mean that if you don't lift your hands that you're not spiritual? No, not at all. But I would say it is biblical, actually, to lift your hands. And sometimes I think we need to just break down, we need to, like, break down those um, the humanitarian walls, and, and you will find freedom. Not freedom in, in raising your hands. Freedom in connecting with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength with Christ. And it's not about the music, it's about him, right? It's about the king. All right, so love the Lord your soul with all your heart. Um, If I cherished iniquity in my heart, what happens? 
Can I do that? Can I cherish iniquity in my heart? Can I treasure sin? Can a Christian treasure sin? That's a trick question. I'm going to answer it today. The actual short answer is, yes, we can actually treasure sin. We can treasure sin as much and sometimes more than Christ is to be treasured. And so that's, what we're, that's where we're heading, right? A treasure-filled heart. And if we treasure sin in our heart, it's like God says, look at you're cutting yourself off from me. And that, it's hard for me to hear you. All right, Romans 121. You guys were in Romans, and you guys know this verse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Our hearts are dark. That goes in line with the passage that Tom actually quoted that says out of Jeremiah that our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who can measure the depth of our deception? I don't think that we can. When our parents took the bite out of the fruit, when Adam took that bite and he passed on that sin nature to us, you know, we come custom built with a hard, stony heart, a heart that treasures iniquity, a heart that treasures ourselves above God, a heart that wants to worship. Yes, we are desperate worshipers. We will never not worship. We are going to worship something always, whether it's knowledge or or gifts, or ourselves, or an experience, or something. We are always worshiping, but sin actually corrupted our hearts in such a way that, that we were defiled. And it's hard then to actually connect with the king. Although, praise the Lord for the gospel, because that's exactly what God has done. In fact, in the Old Testament, one of the reasons why, God bro- why Jesus broke out on Nicodemus was that you should understand what's going on. Being born again is receiving a new heart. That's what it means to be born again. God takes the stony heart out and he places in a new heart, a heart of flesh, it says, that beats for him, that knows him, that's connected to him. Personally, I think when, you remember when Jesus was coming in to like a huge celebration? If I had a time machine, dude, that would be like the first thing I would do. I don't know about you guys. I wouldn't be going forward. If I was like, I'd be going backwards I'd be, and try and get over to Israel to see the ministry of the Lord. I know what he would do. I've already had this conversation with me. He'd break out on me. He'd be like, what are you doing here? You go dismantle that machine and get back. I'm such a sci-fi nut. Anyways, get back over there. <laughs> I know who you are. Yes, I know you too. Okay, I should not have done that. Anyways, um, I'm sorry. I rabbit trail really bad. I'm not as, not as bad though. Our, our high school preacher, man, he's amazing actually. We'll stop, the, stop right there. Um, so Jesus says about the people when he was uh, ministering, for this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears, they can barely hear, and their eyes are closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. So there you see the connection between the eyes, the ears, the heart, understanding, healing. It's all right there. But the heart, their hearts had grown hard. Jesus said about the Pharisees, like, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are so far from me, you don't even know me. My arms are open. I want to gather you together. But you're so interested in treasuring the stuff that's here on earth. Here I am, the center of all things, the center of the universe. In you, you live and move and have being. I'm actually holding the very physical body together right now and I'm in front of you and you do not recognize me. In fact, you hate me. You want to kill me. You're missing the point. Now, they were zealous about religion. 
You know, but there's other things that we could tell us about that do exactly the same thing, that prevent us from understanding and connecting with Christ. This is a, this is a hard one, but I think it's one that we need to understand. Uh, Mark 7, verses 21 through 23, Jesus said this, From within, out of the heart of man, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and they defile the person. And I think we need to have an understanding about who we really are apart from Christ. Like, this is who we are. This is what Jesus said. Like, sometimes we can get so judgmental of what's going on outside of our house. You know, we're like, look at that. I can't believe someone would do that. I can't believe, I mean, how many, how many of you, no, I'm not going to, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand, but listen. How many of you have been impacted in one way or another where in your family or in a close friend's family, some of their children have adopted a homosexual lifestyle? And, and sometimes, I'll be honest with you, sometimes within Christian circles, it's like I hear the yuck factor. Well, ill, that's just gross. It's an abomination. That's just so wrong. And don't get me wrong, are they right? Yes, that, those things are true. God does hate sexual immorality. And I wish I had time to explain to you the connection between uh, sexuality and the cross of Christ. Because if you understood that, you would understand why God hates sexual immorality. There's a direct linkage between the two. Why do you think God wants to wait? Is it just because of purity? Is it because, just because marriage represents the, cro- the, the covenant of Christ and, and the church? Yes, and there's more to it than that. And so when we use our bodies in a way that are, that's outside of God's will, what's actually happening is, for all have sh- fallen short of the glory of God, what happens is we suck. When people use their bodies in sexual immorality, you're actually sucking away glory from the gospel. And that's why God hates it. And, and there's so much detail that I could go into there, and I don't have time for it today, and that would have to be an 18-year or older sermon anyway, to explain it all. Some of you actually know what I'm talking about. And, and my question is, why aren't we telling kids this? Because you know what we're telling them? Don't do it. Don't do anything. And, there, and all that does, it don't, we don't tell them why. We don't tell them why. Why does immorality suck away glory from Jesus? And I'm telling you, the pleasure that they get from that connection with their friend, it's, got, it's going to be greater than a commandment. So something else has to be, and that's what we're going to be talking about in just a little bit. I'm getting ahead of myself. Anyways, this stuff comes from within. My heart is immoral. My heart is greedy. My heart is covetousness. My heart wants to steal things. I like getting something for nothing. It's addictive. There's something about it. My heart, all this stuff is actually inside of me and it's a spring that's welling up. Now, praise the Lord for the gospel because he actually removes that heart of stone during that celebration I was talking about, I never finished that thought, when Jesus actually was coming in and the, and the Pharisees were like, stop those kids from making such a ruckus. Their music is too loud. And Jesus was like, no, I can't do that because if I were to do that, then the stones that are underneath their feet would start crying, Jesus, 
Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I mean, that's what, that's what was happening, you know. And, and, and um, our hearts, that's what I'm talking about. Our hearts are those stones. Jesus said, God can take stones and make stones to praise his name. And I'm telling you today by way of testimony, that's me. I was like a stone. I was dead to God. Dead. I had no desire. And he takes the deadness and he initiates the desire and then he completes like this heart surgery that brings healing for eternity. It's absolutely incredible what he ends up doing. And he changes our desires. I actually think that we don't need a 12-step program outside of Jesus to find deliverance from addictions. The problem with addictions is that we find pleasure in these addictions. There's something that we get out of it. Yeah, we might feel guilty afterwards if we're a Christian, but there's something that we get out of it. There's a joy that we get out of it. There's a happiness that we get out of it. Even if it's momentarily, we take the heroin, we stick it in the vein, we push it in, and we get high off of it, and ultimately the high goes away, and then we have to do it again. The way to actually overcome these addictions, which start from within our hearts, first off, we have to acknowledge that it starts within, it's not outside. It's something that's going on within us that needs the transformation is that we have to have something of greater joy, something of greater pleasure, something of greater value than that addiction has to come in and replace it. And until that happens, we will be forever on our faces worshiping that addiction. And I've said this before, but it's like a trumpet that I have to blow. Jesus is the only cure for addicts. And here's the thing about it. He is the only thing that addiction, addictive people can be addicted to and not commit idolatry. He's like the cure and the source of it all. He's the cure and the source. And the thing is, is that, so I liked cheeseburgers. Came back from camp and... um, we picked up Aiden. It was kind of hard this year to go to camp because we left Aiden at home. And he's, you know, getting to that conscious age, you know, where he knows we're going to be gone for like a week. And uh, he, when we picked him up, he, um, he wanted to get a hamburger, which he calls cheese ham. So we're driving home and he's like, cheese ham. And, you know, maybe we like cheeseburgers. And I have an addiction to cheeseburgers. I have a particular particular addiction to a particular type of cheeseburger. I can eat that for every meal, or for some people, like you can't, pizza for every meal. I like this. The way that you overcome the addiction to the cheeseburger is king crab legs. That's what I'm talking about. Who is going to eat a McDonald's cheeseburger when you have unlimited king crab legs, man? It's like, see ya. I'm not stopping there. I'm willing to fast for like Three hours for that. No, a whole day. I'm saving. Do you ever do that? Like, you know you're going on a, on, a, on, a, on a meal date or whatever. You know, you're going to go somewhere nice. And so you're like, I can't eat. I can't eat because I want to be hungry when I get there. And so, I mean, that's what has to happen. And I believe that is what happens within our hearts and spirits. That what happens is that I love this immorality. I love the pleasure that I get out of being 
of having money and going places. I love the pride when people come to me at work and they're like, ooh, we're not worthy, we're not worthy. Carrie, you're like the best thing ever, you know. I can't believe that you're able to do all that stuff. I wanna, when I grow up, I want to be just like you. We love that junk. We love to be, you know, and the number one thing that we worship is the thing that we see in the mirror. And then Jesus comes over and he's like, look at, don't mess around with the cheeseburger. I got something much better over here. And, and what happens is, is that the addiction begins to shrivel up. We don't even think about it anymore. Now, don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean that it doesn't flare up from time to time. I think Satan knows our weak areas. And, he, and one time you're driving down the street, cheeseburger! Whoa! Cheeseburger! And you're thinking about it. And, you know, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, Thy word have I hid in my heart. God is faithful, and I cannot be tempted beyond which I'm able. And sometimes we give in and praise the Lord for the, for the blood of Christ, who's able to cleanse us from all of our iniquity and and he's faithful and just Jesus can cleanse us open up your Bibles with me I spend way too much time on introductions I apologize actually that was mostly all my content but I'm going to give some verses now to back up back it all up open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6 Matthew chapter 6 I love the Sermon on the Mount Jesus is such a master at teaching. And he doesn't waste a single word. He has no ADHD going on. You know what I mean? Every single word is specific and targeted. This sermon is in, in, it's just captivating. It's incredible. Anyway, that being said, Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. The context of this passage has to do with worry, it has to do with a desire for things rather than him. I'm going to focus in on one specific verse, verse 21, but let's read it all together, starting in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Here's the verse. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. Check the connection between the eye and the heart. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Healthy. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be filled with darkness, corruption, sickness, spiritual sickness, emotional sickness, difficulties will come. If your whole body will be full of darkness, if then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? And the deception of that darkness is sometimes you don't even realize that you're in the dark. You don't realize it. That's the power of deception. We need Christ to break it. No one can serve two masters, for either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and you will despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot. My heart breaks, you guys, over the years. I have watched spiritually gifted young people take a call from God and set it aside because they're afraid that they're not going to live out the American dream. And they set aside the call of God 
so that they can have money. Which means absolutely nothing in the end. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and yourself. If he is the Lord, he is the Lord. He is Adonai. He is the Master. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is what I'm saying. What is it that you're treasuring? What's filling your heart? It's not very hard to figure it out. Ask God if you want to, because the reality of it is, some will not ask the question, even if they call themselves a Christ follower, because they don't want to hear the answer. Is Christ the treasure? Is he the pursuit? Is he the center? Is he the one that we're singing about? Is he the focal? Are you willing to hear what he has to say? Or is there an idol that you're bowing down to and worshiping and it's filling you? You can tell, by the way, just by if you like what's being said right now or you need to get out of here. Because the truth is the truth and when you bring light into a dark place, you will either bow to the Lord or you will run. Because that's what happens. That's what happens in the truth. Listen to what Jonathan Edwards says about our joy and God. Man's proper happiness consists in the enjoyment of God. But it is not possible that man should enjoy God with only those things in him which he receives by his first birth. In other words, what he's saying is, we're cut off. We cannot, our happiness is directly connected to our connection with God, but in and of ourselves, we are separated from him. Iniquity has put a division between us and him, and we cannot connect. And so because of that, we settle for happinesses that are pseudos, that are lies, and some of them are destructive and some of them are not. You know, sometimes we can have very, very good intentions and they could still be idols. I am forever trying not to idolize my kids that live with me. All of them. And what I mean by that is, sometimes they do stuff and I'm like so happy about it. And I'm like, man, that's just so cool. And sometimes they do stuff and I'm not so happy about it. And I'm like, that's not so cool. In either direction, my heart is always fighting between the worship and focaling of my, all of my energy, my mental energy, my spiritual energy, my physical energy, on the situations and emotions and connections and interpersonal relationships of what's going on with my kids. And I'm missing Christ. I've put him up on a shelf so that I can deal in a Christian way with what is going on. And so... Some of the idols that we have are not necessarily always illegal drugs or pornography or greed or any of these other things. Some of them are straight up right in front of us and we can't see them, but they're just as deceitful and they cut off fruitfulness for eternity just as much sometimes. They might not be as socially destructive, but they are still destructive. Listen to what, Psalm, what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 135. The idols of the nations are the works of human hands. They have eyes, but they do not see. Those who make them become like them. 
so do all who trust in them. Now we don't actually get, you know, we don't like put, we don't put like little, well, sometimes we do, but for the most part, we don't actually create fashion little idols and like get down and worship them. We don't have worship centers where we put a focused item on where we're like, oh, let's worship the, the creation made with human hands or whatever. But do we have idols in this nation? Oh, we have idols. We have all kinds of idols going on. Most of our idols are unseen idols. We make them. We fashion them. We build them. We put our hope in them. We put our trust in them. And if you make and trust a blind idol, you will become blind. Even if once you saw. Even if once you saw. Because the appetite can be to return to the, to the well that, of the putrid, maggot-driven water. Do you see what I'm getting at? What I'm saying is that the church in Laodicea, I'm going to give you a biblical support for this, they were a church. They are a church. Are they not? Yes. They had an angel and Jesus spoke to them. And this is what he said to them. You think that you have everything going on. Man, you have a symphonic orchestra with timbales. You have a praise team that's got it going on. You got all kinds of instruments. You got like 16 part harmony. You don't have want in your budget. You're not 20 grand behind. You have all kinds of stuff going on and you think you have everything, but I'm not in it. I'm not in it anywhere. I'm totally, I'm out of it. You think that you have everything, and this is what he said, you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. And I'm telling to you, buy salve for me from your eyes, because even though once you tasted and you saw that I am good, somewhere along the lines, pride has snuck in, or some other addiction has snuck in and taken the place, and you have left your first love. And I'm not saying that that's true of, of us in general. What I am saying is that when we get together, we need to encourage one another in this because I'm prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Take and seal it. Do you know what I'm talking about? We have a tendency to return to addictions other than Christ. Even if once we tasted and we had the crab legs, I'm going back for the cheeseburger. And at that point in time, the church is what God has ordained to come alongside and be like, brother, let's worship the king together. Do you remember him? Think of his goodness. Think of his, look at the scripture passage and exhort one another on to love and good, good deeds. Our hearts and our affections are directly tied to what we treasure. Our heart and our affections, the center of our being. Be careful. Guard your heart. Our are actually directly connected to what we treasure. Paul said about the people in his day, um, when he was on the earth, he said that the people's heart had grown dull, that their eyes were closed, and, and God wanted them to open their eyes so that they could have understanding with their hearts, but they were not. Their eyes were blinded to the truth and they could not see. Praise the Lord for Jesus. One of the best evangelistic messages I've ever heard was actually out of Isaiah chapter 6. And I never saw Isaiah chapter 6 as an evangelistic passage, but it is. It's conversion. That's what happens in Isaiah 6. Do you know the story I'm talking about? In the, king, in the year of King Uzziah's death, or Uzziah's death, Isaiah goes into the temple and he sees the Lord high and lifted up and smoke is filling the sanctuary. 
And he's like, we need to do that one, one day. You know, we'll just fill the whole place up with smoke. You walk in and be like, whoa, Jesus must be in there. No, it's just, a, it's just, it's just Aaron's smoke machine. Anyway, it's just kidding. So we, <laughs> we have uh, the smoke fills the temple and he sees the Lord. What happens when he sees him? He falls on his face. He falls on his face. And he's like, I am a man of unclean lips. Woe is me, I am undone. And Christ comes and he takes a coal from the throne and he touches his lips and he removes his iniquity. And Isaiah, Christ picks him up and Isaiah stands and then God is like having a conversation among himself. We need someone to go. Who's going to go for us? He knows the answer already. And Isaiah's like, I will go. I will go. Once Isaiah was treasuring something, and then he saw the ultimate treasure, and everything else paled in comparison. And he changed. And we must have that experience. We must have that happen. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe that faith comes through hearing and hearing the gospel. The gospel must be preached. It's through the truth of the gospel, however, that people are invited in to see Christ for who he is, high and lifted up. And here's what I'm saying. I haven't seen him in all of his glory yet. I think that if I did, I would die. I think that my sanctification, part of salvation, is him peeling back a little bit more of his beauty, a little bit more of his worth, a little bit more of his glory each and every day, and I don't lose my taste for him, it grows. I had a man who told me 14 years ago, man, I was just like a crazy man. I had, I had zeal without knowledge is what I think the Bible says. And he goes, Carrie, you just need to cool it, man. Just give it a couple of years. You'll calm down. And I was thinking inside, I'm like, oh, Lord, help. Don't ever, please, 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 please keep me. Keep me, keep me in the way. Keep me in the Jesus way. Keep me in the center. And, and, and the way that he does that is he, he unveils more and more of his worth, which is infinite. There's nothing that can compare to it. No relationship, no cell phone, no car, no college degree, no job, no bank account, no investment, no house, no country can, is worth the value of Christ. He is all and in all. He fills all things. In him all things hold together. For from him and to him and through him are all things. And to see him is to see treasure defined. It is there where our hearts are changed. It is there when the sweetness of brokenness comes and the treasure of the, of the nasty, even though some of it's nasty and some of it's actually not so bad, but it's still blocking us, is broken. And here's what I'm going to tell you. It's there in my brokenness that I have found personally where I'm now actually able to value the other treasures appropriately, including my wife and my children, the kids that live at our house, the job that I have, the, the church in which we serve, the calling of Christ. Everything is framed in that treasure. 
there was a time early on where I was like, God, you made me a freak. Like, all I want to do is think about you, and I'm talking about you all the time, and people are, I'm offending everybody everywhere, and that happens all the time. And, and, he, um, and he told me, he said, you know what? When you're filled up with me, you're going to talk about the things I want to talk about. And I want to talk about Jesus. And, and I was like, okay. But that still makes me feel weird because it's offensive sometimes to talk about him, even as beautiful as he is. But we need to see him. Isaiah saw his glory and spoke of Jesus. That's John chapter 12, verse 41. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is our calling. This is Operation Love. This is Operation Love. Proclaim good news to the digital camera folks that are coming, to the people that are learning Spanish. There's like 25 people in that class. Praise the Lord for that. And a lot of them are not connected with our church in any way. More. Send more, Lord. Send more. He sent us to proclaim liberty to captives, recovery of sight to blind, and to see people exchange the treasure of this world for a treasure that is immutable, unchangeable, that does not rust, that does not fade, that does not get crashed, that does not break, that does not tarnish, that shines ever brighter. Eventually, it will replace the sun. That is Christ. We must see him for who he is. Christ came to heal blindness. In 2 Corinthians 3.16, it says that when a person turns to the Lord, a veil is removed, and I'm telling you, it's a treasure veil. If there was a movie, it wouldn't be called National Treasure. It would be called International Treasure. And the center of the treasure that the people would be looking for is Christ. He is the treasure. Actually, the movie would be like the Jesus film. That's what I'm getting at. That's the international treasure, the Jesus film, being used today, all over the world. People hearing the gospel and seeing it in front of their face so that they can begin to value Christ as more significant and of greater value than the things that they're worshiping now. They have to have an affection change so that they no longer worship and serve the creator or the creation, but rather begin to worship and serve the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. They need to get off of the addiction of the cheeseburgers and on to Christ. And on to Christ. That's where the resolution comes in. Jesus is the means. He is the goal. He is the joy. He is the beginning. He is the end. He is the alpha. He is the, the omega. He is the treasure of our salvation. He is all in all. He is everything. If you do not confess what I just said, you do not know him yet. You do not know him yet. I get concerned about this because, and, and I know personally in my own life this was true, that you can make a, a profession of faith, but have you actually said, Jesus, with your lips, I'm saying, have you said this out loud? Jesus, you are my Lord, and you know what it is that you're saying, and you mean it. And I'm telling you that a lot of Christians in the United States, they have never said that. And they haven't seen it. And the reason is, is because they're treasuring something else as greater than him. And they don't want him to be their Lord. They want him to 
they want him to get him out, to get them out of jail free when they die. And look at, don't get me wrong, you know, it's not a bad reason to come to Christ to escape eternal flame and punishment and the wrath of God. Who doesn't, who was like, oh yeah, I want the wrath of God forever and ever and ever. I want to burn in the lake of fire and brimstone. I'm smart. I mean, there may be a few people, but I mean, something's not right there. And they, and if they say that, it's because they're joking around and they don't really understand what it is that they're saying. And, and so it's not a bad reason to come to Christ to escape God's wrath, but it's a much better reason to come to Christ to recognize his beauty and that there is a barrier between us and him. And for us to see the beauty, our sin must be dealt with, and he has dealt with it effectively, and that the cross is the power of God of the salvation to everyone who believes. And the cross becomes a treasure. Communion becomes a treasure. Radical abandon to Christ and the destruction of earthly idols comes from seeing him and beginning the process. Did you hear what I said? The process. It doesn't happen immediately, although I will admit that there are certain experiences that I've had where God grabbed me and took me somewhere, and you guys could probably testify of this. It might have been in the middle of a public service. It might have been in a quiet time. Where he, where he, it was up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and there was like, he showed me more of his glory in that moment than I had seen, like in a weekly meeting or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? There's those significant pieces. But what happened, this process, seeing him, and he begins the process of treasuring him for who he is. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So listen. Sometimes it's hard to give money to the kingdom of God. I don't know. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. Isn't it hard? I mean, I think it's hard unless you're treasuring him for who you are. I mean, a lot of, a lot of people come to church, I'm not saying here, a lot of people come to church and it's like cheap entertainment. They spend more money on tickets to go see a movie this weekend than they put in the offering so that they can entertain themselves. And then they can't sit through like an hour and a half or two hour service. It's like, when is this going to end? This is like crazy. What's going on here? And, and what I'm saying is that there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. To give hilariously, to give like crazy to an unseen king that you've never seen. I mean, at least like if I give money to Moody, I'm like, I can turn on 90.1 and listen to it. You know what I mean? I'm like, there it is. I know my money's working because they're still broadcasting. Thank you, Jesus. And there's, there's when, you're giving to, when you're giving to missions, I mean, we have a missionary that comes in once a year, but I mean, it's hard to see the missions dollar translated into something tangible. And the reality of it is we can't. So what do we do? We treasure Christ as greater than our money. We treasure him as greater than our money. Can we do that? I would say that it's impossible except for the fact that Christ illumines the truth. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that's hidden in a field. When a man found it, he covered it up. And then in his joy, he went and sold everything and he bought that field. The kingdom of heaven is like a pearl. And this merchant is looking for these pearls. 
and he finds like one of incredible value. And he goes and he sells everything. He sells his entire collection. He sells his house. He sells his cars. He sells everything to buy that pearl so that he can treasure it because he saw its value. So the question today is, have you seen the value of Christ? Have you seen him? If you have seen him, the fruit of your life will be transformed. I'm going to close uh, here, and it's, this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 33 and 37. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. I actually get the idea there that he's saying, do you know that he doesn't want lukewarm believers? What does he say about lukewarm believers? I'm going to spit you out. You're like vomit. That's, that's, what, that's what he thinks of lukewarmness. He actually says, I would rather that you would be cold. Stop living hypocritically. If you're for me, be for me. If you're going to be against me, go live it up because the greatest pleasure you're going to get is right here in this earth. You're either for me or you're against me. That's our license plate, by the way, if you've ever saw our van you're wondering what it is. It's are you for him too. It's out of Matthew chapter 12, verse 30. How can you speak good when you are evil? Now, this is what Jesus says. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. So what have you been talking about this last week? What you've been talking about this last week is where your heart has been. Listen to what your words are. Ask God for a spirit to discern and understand. And then he says this, the good person, out of his good treasure, Jesus brings forth good, and the evil person, out of his evil treasure, brings forth evil. And, and this is what I'm getting at, the whole thing, and I've said it like 13 times, so I hope that you guys are connecting with it. Addiction and sanctification overcoming these areas of our weaknesses is actually a matter of pleasures. It's a matter of joys. And we must find and have a taste more for Christ than for the pleasure. And until you can taste and see that the Lord is good, because you've entered into the sanctuary, you've seen him, you've fallen down on your face, and you have been broken, you will not treasure him, and you will not have victory. Now here's the rub. I can't create that. And neither can Paul. And neither can any of the leaders. And neither can you. But here's what God says. If you seek for me with all of your heart, you will, be found. You will find me. You will find me. Here's the problem. Here's what's keeping you from doing it. You're treasuring something more than him. Do you really want to call him Adonai? Do you want the, we're going we're gonna to close in a song. We're going to sing Open the Eyes of My Heart. And, and I'm going to say, don't just sing it. In fact, I would say, if you don't mean it, don't sing it. Don't just like give the Lord lip service. Be like, I want to see more of you. And more of you equals victory over hamburgers, cheeseburgers. That's what it means. And I'll tell you, it, it, it has impacts in your lives in ways that we don't even know eternally when we begin to value and treasure him the way that he deserves. Or at least, I'm going to say, 
because I don't, I don't value and treasure him the way that he deserves. We begin the process of doing it. And he takes us further and further in. And so we, op- we sing, open the eyes of my heart, over and over and over again. Why? Because I need him to do it again. And again and again. And that's why salvation isn't just something that occurred once. It's something that occurs every day. Yes, justification once. I am now justified. But now being sanctified, I need his grace again. I need him to take me onto the mountain. I need him to illumine my eyes to the truth. I need to see him for who he is. For until I treasure him the way that he deserves to be treasured, I will forever worship the idols that I have created or that others have put in front of me that they themselves have created. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be an idol worshiper. I want to be a worshiper of the one true God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, his Son. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks. And we ask now, Lord, that you would open up the eyes of our understanding, illumine, illumine our hearts to the truth. And, and Lord, today, um, myself included, there's things that we need to release. And I pray that you would give us the grace to release them. And then there's a big thing, an international treasure, a treasure that whose value cannot be measured, and we need to grip onto that. And that would be your son. And I would pray, Lord, that today that you would grace us with the joy of treasuring Christ above all else. Lord, we want to redeem the time. Our memory verse is awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And that's what I'm singing here today. So Lord, don't pass us by, and don't pass by any of the churches or any of the believers, those who are disgruntled and they're not attending church right now. Awaken them, Lord, to the treasure of Christ. Awaken the people worshiping at the other churches in our community to the treasure of Christ, and let us shout the praise of his name in this community to the salvation of those who right now are apart from him and darkened in their hearts and worshiping and serving idols that will not save them. And that in the long run, although sometimes they bring temporal pleasure, do not bring lasting joy and happiness, which is summed up in your Son. He is the beginning and end of all things. And in him we live and move and have our being. And we ask this in your mighty name and for the glory of your kingdom. And all God's people said, Amen.